Welcome to the Inventory Nation podcast, a show designed to bring you the incredible voices and stories of veterinary professionals coast to coast, all while helping you to manage and control your inventory. I'm your host, Nicole Clausen, coach, advisor, and champion for veterinary teams and their inventory. Joining you live from the mountains of Montana, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome back to the Inventory Nation podcast. I am so excited you're here, so excited for you to be tuning in. So in this episode, I wanted to share with you five different things I learned last week. So last week, I had um, some really great sessions with some of my one-on-one clients, and you know, um, there was just some themes that came out of last week. I just wanted to share those with you um, and just talk about some of the big things that kind of came up while I was working with some of my dear one-on-one clients. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Also, if you have not seen or heard yet, I put together a inventory self-assessment that you can take on my website. You kind of take this assessment. It lets you know kind of where your inventory is at. And then um, I give you some tips to take your inventory to the next level. So super fun. Um, I had a lot of fun putting it together. It kind of like threw me back to the days of like, you know, taking the like you know, quizzes in the magazines or like the BuzzFeed quizzes. Like, unfortunately, I can't tell you like, you know, what your inventory system is like based upon what pizza you ate that day. But like, <laughs> I feel like it's close. So if you want to take a self-assessment to see where you're at with your inventory, you can go to vetlogic.co slash assessment. And that assessment will kind of let you know where you're at and give you some tips to help you get to the next step. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this episode. The first big theme that came out of last week's talk with my clients is if you feel like you're doing everything right to control your inventory costs, you know, you feel like you are, um, you know, you're not overstocking, you're being really cognizant with your reorder points, you're making sure that your, you know, costs are under control. The next thing to do would be to look at your revenue, right? So if you're doing everything in your power to control your costs, it seems like your reorder points are good, you don't have too much on hand. The next Next would be to actually see, A, are you generating revenue from that inventory? And what is your service revenue like? So this really kind of brings um, to light looking at our product versus our service mix. If your practice naturally does a high volume of inventory sales, especially in relation to your services, you might naturally see a higher cost of goods than that recommended benchmark 20-ish percent for our general practice small animal friends. So what does your revenue from the services versus inventory look 
like. And so that's where I can find it helpful to look at your profit and loss statement, especially if you have your costs or your expenses and your revenue, um, you know, really outlined and subcategorized because then you can take a look and you're like, oh, hey, like, let's just say, for example, right? You know, you look for the month of December and you're like, oh, you know, we generated $250,000 revenue from our services, but maybe you generated $275,000 in revenue from your inventory. So, and because you have to replenish all that inventory you just sold, you probably are going to have a fairly high cost of goods in relation to, you know, the services, you know, that you are um, generating revenue for. So that's kind of not necessarily to say just because you have high cost of goods that you are overspending on your inventory. Because, you know, you may have heard me mention before that, you know, really our cost of goods is replenishing the inventory that we've already consumed in a just-in-time format. So if you are replenishing that inventory that you've consumed in large quantities, right, you are naturally going to see kind of higher cost of goods. So, All in all to say, if you're like, man, I feel like I'm doing everything I possibly can. I feel like I'm doing everything possibly right. You know, I... I'm not crazy on, you know, what I'm spending. I'm in within line with my budget every single week. I am, my other key performance indicators are right in line. The next step would be to look at your revenue. Are you missing any charges? Do you have a lot of discounts? You know, maybe you just aren't, um, recommending services on the same level of your inventory items. So those are just some really big things to take a look at if you're like, what is going on? So that actually came up in quite a few calls um, that I had with my clients last week. So you know, that might be something to look into and kind of delve deeper if you're like, oh, two and two is not coming up for Because I think one of the things that we don't really realize sometimes is how one mischarge or one discount can really add up very quickly um, and really start to impact our cost of goods. Okay, so next theme that came out of last week was that not very many inventory managers get training, but it doesn't have to stay that way. So I talked to basically almost everyone that I talked to, they really didn't feel like they got the training that they needed, right? And this was from the practice owner, you know, to the inventory manager, to the practice manager, everyone in between didn't feel like they got the inventory training they needed, And I think, especially as a practice owner, right, if you buy into an existing practice, you purchase that practice, and maybe, you know, the folks, um, you know, her managing inventory before, they didn't have any training either. And so now you've just purchased this practice with an inventory system that is not set up or not functioning well. And, you know, you can be at a loss with that, right? Because they don't teach you that in vet school. They don't teach you that. I think maybe some technician programs teach you kind of how to manage inventory, but probably not on the scale that, um, you know, you would need to feel and be a confident inventory manager. 
So, um, you know, that's to say if you're like, oh man, I do not know what I'm doing. I do not feel confident in this role. You know, just know that you're not alone and it doesn't have to stay that way forever that you, you know, don't have the training that you need. So there are options out there. There are classes out there. There's resources out there. There's community out there. There's all sorts of things and, you know, however you learn best. So that's kind of a big one that kind of came out. Um, you know, and, and I would say if you're a practice owner, especially if you've just recently purchased a practice or you're interested in purchasing a, pra- purchasing a practice, you know, how important and helpful it can be to make sure that you are purchasing an inventory system that is functioning, um, and efficient. There's been several examples where I've either done um, an analysis post or pre-purchase of a clinic. And, um, you know, I really dove deep, did an analysis of their inventory system. And, you know, there's been some instances where I've found like thousands and thousands of dollars of expired product on the shelf or things like that, where if you are purchasing that practice, you are basically buying the inventory, but it's expired and you're just going to have to repurchase it anyway. So if you're thinking about purchasing a practice, that's really something important to take note of is just, you know, kind of seeing what you're buying into because, you know, profit and loss statements and like looking at the value of your inventory can be, you know, super helpful and beneficial. But, um, you know, if there's not good data going in, you know, if there's not really a helpful or healthy input of data, then that information is just not going to be helpful. Um, and it can look completely different from what the actual um, situation is, right? Because if you're like, oh, you know, right now they have $20,000 of inventory on the shelf. Like, okay, cool. But how much of that is expired or how much of that are you going to have to replace anyway? So just kind of some things to think about that came out of last week. Okay. So number three. So the third one is it's really important to evaluate. Hello evaluate your products individually as well as as a whole, right? And I kind of alluded to this one in um, just in this previous point, but, you know, when we are, you know, looking at the analysis, there are times when I have found products that are priced way um, lower than the cost of an item or, you know, we'll find so there was a couple examples last week um, where we did this analysis and it was like we found that there was only like a 4% profit margin um, because of just the way that the products were set up um, in the system. And so not only is it really helpful to look at, you know, what is my, you know, what are my key performance indicators and what are those metrics, right? So if we think about key performance indicators and we're thinking about metrics, we have our cost of goods sold, of course. We have the value of our inventory on hand. We have our inventory turnover, which basically is the number of times a product comes in and leaves um, the practice in a specific time frame, typically a year. Or, you know, we have the value of our adjustments. But a lot of these key performance indicators look at your inventory as a whole. So we also want to look at it on a micro level, you know, for these individual products. 
Do you have ones that have a very small markup or do they even have a negative markup? If something has a negative markup, that means that the cost is higher than the sales. And that's, of course, an issue that we never, ever want to run into because that means we're basically paying that client to take that inventory item. So something that just really came out of last week was when I was doing this analysis, um, there were a couple of items where they had a super tiny markup or they had a negative markup. And, um, you know, those were things that we wanted to fix right away. They really didn't think, you know, their costs overall were not too high, right? They were kind of within line. But once I dug deeper into those, you know, individual products, other issues really started coming to light. And, um, you know, so they, we immediately identified room where they could, um, you know, be even more profitable and, you know, make sure that, you know, they're generating revenue from the inventory as you would expect, right? I feel like these kind of things, they all kind of come together, right? You know, so going back to the first point, if you aren't, if you feel like you're doing everything right to control your costs, but your cost of goods still seem high in comparison to your revenue, it might be a revenue issue. And so again, looking at your inventory on a micro level and looking at these individual products to see how revenue is generated from them is so beneficial. So, and also if you're like, Ooh, this hits a little too close to home or you're like, Oh my gosh, this sounds like me. Do not worry and do not fret. It is very common, right? A lot of times the reports from our practice management system, you know, really don't make it easy. And if you're looking at your your profit and loss statement, it might be hard to catch too. So, you know, it is common for me to see these things. It's actually extremely common. So, you know, but in order for us to like fix it and do better, we just have to kind of know the situation. And so I feel like knowledge is power. And that is definitely the case here. Okay, so to wrap up number three, it's just super important to evaluate your products individually as well as a whole. Okay, so the next one is for number four, we are talking about it's important to separate your inventory versus service items for in-house lab items or in-house lab tests. So kind of where this comes into play is again, when I was looking at um, and working with some clinics last week is I just found that there were um, one clinic in particular, they were working with Cornerstone and they um, noticed um, that the lab tests were actually under both the inventory and the, the, um, the service codes. And so what happens was, or what was happening was, um, some team members were confused about which in-house reference lab to pick. And so because they were set up differently, right? So, um, I can't remember exactly which, um, which one it was now, but let's just say, for example, a snap test, right? So you have a Parvo snap test, you want to run it for fluffy. And maybe you don't run Parvo tests very often. And so there's both, of course, your inventory item for the actual snap test, but then you have the service code to actually perform that lab test. And so let's just say you set up that, um, 
the SNAP test as cost plus 10, right? Just in case, you know, maybe for employee discounts or, you know, what have you. And then you have your service code um, as the actual lab test. Sorry, I have a dog coming to say hi, so hopefully it's not too loud for you. Um, so you have your actual inventory item that is set up with a much, much lower markup, and then you have your um, in-house lab service code with the appropriate markup. But if your team isn't clear on which one to charge for, it, they might be the there might be the instance where they're actually putting that um, inventory lab item on people's accounts. And so when that's happening, when that's going on our patient's account, we are not generating the revenue as we should from that particular lab test because it was only marked up 10%. So I always recommend when you have a service code and you have an inventory code, I like to make the inventory code as clear as possible that that is not the one to pick. You know, you can set the price for $9 million or you can set the um, the code, like the actual description to be like IDEX, SNAP, in-house something or something, you know, so it's just very, very clear that that one is not the one to pick. Um, and then making the service code, that one is kind of like, oh, hey, pick me. So I think not only making sure that our team is trained and feels really comfortable about how to charge for these things, but then also making sure that, you know, when you're super busy and you're just um, you know, you're working with the patient and you're trying to put their invoice together to get Mrs. Jones checked out, that it's very easy for them to be able to charge appropriately. So that was just kind of something that came up um, was just that um, I was able to find some instances where clients are being charged for the inventory item of the lab test and not the actual service code. So kind of just a theme for that is just make sure that it's clear um, and that your team kind of knows which one they're actually charging for. Okay, and so the very last one, um, so of the things that I learned this week from my truly wonderful clients, um, so number five was it's important to consider how the packages are set up in regards to tracking inventory and how things are priced. So for example, um, I see this instance a lot um, where injectables are set up, right? So let's say, for example, a clinic has an injectable set up as a service code, and let's say they want to charge a dollar and ten cents per mill, and then maybe they might have the inventory item linked to that, but you know, which is great for inventory practice tracking purposes, right? It's perfection. But let's say that then that inventory item goes up. Is there a way for then the package or the service cost or price to go up? So if, let's say, for example, you charge a dollar and 10 cents per mill, and maybe it was like, let's just say for ease of examples, it will, the, your cost was 50 cents per mill. What if then that goes up to 75 cents per mill? Is there a mechanism in the way that your items are set up where it's going to increase that dollar and 10 cents per mill? 
or is it going to stay the same? And so that's kind of where we can see as our profit margin can start to shrink as if our costs go up, but we don't have a way to pass those along to our clients. So that's why it's really um, important that we make sure that our inventory items in our services are linked appropriately so that as costs go up, our prices are also reflective of that. Because as I'm sure as you can imagine, you know, if you had, let's just say like four price increases before that was caught, or maybe it wasn't caught for like a couple of years, right? Because you're just kind of like humming along and you're seeing your patients and everything is great. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, this has gone up like seven times and we haven't increased our price on that. So that's why I'm always a little am wary, if you will, about setting up injectables or other things as a service code rather than keeping them as an inventory code just because you can run into that problem. So just something to be cognizant about. Um, the other thing, of course, is um, you know, packages, because all practice management softwares can work a little bit differently this way. So, you know, maybe let's say, just say, for example, like SideAppoint, if you had SideAppoint set up as a package or as a group or as a service code, and the cost of that SideAppoint went up, our margins on SideAppoint are already fairly low. And so if that um, cost goes up, but the price for those things aren't, doesn't go up either, you can really start to run into the issue where, you know, you aren't, um, you know, um, generating that revenue like you would expect. So another example that I um, commonly find is um, like a torbugesic elixir or buprenorphine slow release that's, or not, so, sorry, not buprenorphine slow release, but just buprenorphine oral suspension. Um, you know, if that is set up as kind of like a, treatment or service code and it pulls from a different inventory item, that one a lot of times doesn't get increased. The price doesn't get increased as the cost goes up. So those are kind of some just examples um, and something that I ran into. So I hope those kind of like five themes that came out of last week were helpful for you. It seems like they kind of all centered around this idea that you know, going back to number one, if you're doing everything right with your inventory to control your costs, look at your revenue. You know, are you generating the revenue that you would expect from your inventory? So just to summarize, if you're doing everything right with your inventory, look at your um, revenue. Not every inventory manager gets training and not very many get training for, um, for that matter, um, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Number three, it's important to evaluate your products individually as well as a whole. It's also important to make sure that your in-house in your service lab um, items or lab codes are treated separately. It's also important to consider how packages are set up in regards to tracking inventory and how they're priced so that when the cost of the item goes up, does that update the package pricing? And then how often is that whole policy slash procedure reviewed? So thank you so much for joining me on this 
um, episode. It was so much fun and I hope you learned something. If you would like to take the inventory self-assessment, you can go to vetlogic.co slash assessment. You can see where your inventory is at and get some tips to take you to the next level. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inventory Nation podcast and spending your time with me. I know your time is valuable and in short supply, so it truly is an honor. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or leave a review. Be sure to visit vetlogic.co slash podcast to access the show notes and discover additional links and resources. See you next time.